We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Bucks won a f***ing NBA championship. Yeah! What? What? Who tries to take a pulse, baby? Watching that basketball game, like, caused health problems for me. Boogie hates racism and Chris Paul. And who cannot get on board with that platform? If I've learned a lot, this, I, I'm not going to say it. That sounds too bad. No, 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 no. The Bucks do win it all. Pat Connaughton's numbers should be in the rafters. Hello and welcome to this Eurostep Podcast Network crossover episode. Coming to you after game three of the Milwaukee Bucks first round series against the Miami Heat. I am Adam McGee. Joining me, I have my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Hello, Jordan. Hey there. And I've also got my other good friend, Rowan Cotty. Hello, Rowan. Hello. I feel like I'm, t- I'm taking Jordan's energy here and Jordan's taking my energy. Uh, we were talking a little bit before we started recording. Jordan was asking me, hey, do you have, do you have a, it doesn't look like you have a rant in you, but I do. I feel like we've like Freaky Friday, Jordan, this, this, uh, this postseason. You've you've sort of taken the rant energy from me, and I've just become like a nice, fun, bubbly personality. Well, if uh, you say so yourself. Yeah, I, I think that is that is what is about to happen in over the course of an hour long podcast. The volcanoes. Why stop at an hour? We're, we're I'm I'm outnumbered here. It's 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 winning six here more than Eurostep. We might be here for four hours. A reputation precedes no, us. I'm not talking about this game for four fucking hours. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm with Jordan. <laughs> All right, so I guess we'll get into it. The books lost. Wait, they did. They did. One twenty-one ninety-nine to the Miami Heat in game. Oh, that was three. a nail biter. Giannis is still sitting on the sidelines, and the books look awful—just flat out awful. And where you can drop game one and it doesn't have to be a big deal. I think it's a little bit different when you drop game three and you're on the road and you've got these questions over Giannis's health. The books are in a scary spot right now. Doesn't have to be terminal, doesn't have to be the end of the season, but they're in a spot where this could be an all-time playoff letdown, the kind of thing that I think in the future, the context around it would be removed. And honestly, I don't think the books could have too many complaints about it so that's the kind of that's the kind of situation that the Milwaukee Bucks find themselves staring right down um 
will I just go straight to Jordan? No, Is that but, really what should? I mean, like the YouTube viewers, by the way, if you haven't subscribed to the Eurostep Podcast Network on YouTube, make sure you go do so because you are seeing an all-time Jordan moment right now. You have just seen Jordan go through it. He's going through it. So like like you said, Adam, I'm going to clear out. Jordan, Jordan, tell us how you're feeling. Um, It's probably better to ask my fiance. Uh, I was oh, trying, right. Because it, it set in quickly. You know, I thought I was having a going to have a nice Saturday evening watching the Bucks play at 6.30, a reasonable time to have a basketball game. That's set on the East Coast. Had dinner. Uh, What'd you, you have know, for dinner, nice, Jordan? Uh, oh. We make this, it's called an egg roll bowl. So you take like coleslaw mix, round turkey, cook it with sesame oil, soy sauce, really good. Put a little hot sauce in there if you want. Pretty good. Pretty good. On to worse things. Um, yeah, like I, this game, really good start. Great to see Drew hit his four, uh, first four shots. Liked the activity offensively early on. Heat hitting threes. Kind of bothersome. And then the, I think it was a six-minute scoring drought that started near the end of the first quarter and went into the second quarter. And that was your ballgame. That was your ballgame. Um, really just frustrating to see. I don't think it was, it was, we knew that the, the Heat were going to come out with a lot more physical defense, a uh, lot of pressure, trapping scenarios, full court pressure, just sending double teams at both Chris and Drew. And, you know, I thought the, weirdly enough, I, I liked how the Bucks played in terms of like, I thought that they really competed hard. I thought they it wasn't the best offensive performance, but I certainly didn't expect what we were going to see in game two again. Um, I thought they kind of had things figured out for good stretches. Problem was, is that they're doing this when they're done by 15 and they're not able to withstand the heat scorching shooting again and the pressure, all this stuff like they played well if you count out the possessions where they weren't uh, falling over the floor or lazy passes or stuff like that, where like that was the ball game. Um, yeah, it was just like, you know, it, I don't know. Now, what I wanted to see when coming after a very good will uh, game two, and then you just see the fall or the floor fall out of them and, just kind of more rattled in a very different way than what we saw in game one, where it's easy just to chalk it up with Giannis and they were off for a week. It's like, no, this is where the series has been really starting to kind of grill or turn up for in terms of like playoff basketball intensity. And they struggled mightily. It they they looked they looked rattled. They honestly looked rattled because you come out there, like you mentioned, Jordan, after such a a, a goodwill inspiring game two. I mean, look at the receipts. We were probably going to get clowned for our post game two pod where we were like, oh, yeah, bucks and five easy. And except for you, Adam, you weren't there. So I can't blame you for that one. Uh, 
we'll blame Numak. How about that? Uh, sorry, wow. Numak. <laughs> uh, but you you see this you see this Bucks team come down here, go to Miami for the first road game, and they they look shell shocked. They come out here, they're not ready to respond to a Heat team that's obviously amped up, who had stolen home court advantage away from Milwaukee and was coming back to their hometown. And you just see them not reacting well. Like Drew Holiday gets them started really, really well. Like you mentioned, Jordan, they start off this game scorching hot. And it looks like, oh, the Bucks are going to be able to compete with the Heat here, even though the Heat are going to continue to rain fire from three. And they just can't match the intensity. They can't match the physicality. We got we got a good mic'd up Javon Carter moment where you can hear him say like, hey, they're bringing it and we're not. We got to bring it. They didn't bring it. They did not bring that intensity. They were the ones who were like, they were bending to the physicality. They were not like matching it. They were just, they, they looked like a team that was scared, like playing scared out there. And that doesn't, that doesn't win you playoff games. At some point, you're just going to have to be, you have to start exerting your own will because they were playing to the will of the heat. And we know this team has an identity. We know that this Bucks team is capable of making an imprint on a game. They didn't. They absolutely did not in game three here. And while I do believe it, they they still have a solid chance to win this series, you can't do that if you come out again and play like this for the third time in four games, it would be if you do this again in game four. Yeah, I I hate to disagree with Jordan off the bat, but I really didn't like much of anything I saw from the books in this game. Sure, the start was good. Grayson Allen was good. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll get into individual performances. I think Grayson and Pat gave some things to to cheer about. Um, although I guess the books' failure to make more out of that, or how those guys are being utilized, or how the offense is functioning—that's a conversation we can have in a bit. I think there there is more that can be done to one get more of those those guys but two bring some others into the mix too i just think beyond that like that early run drew comes out absolutely unconscious beyond that i don't think it was as impressive as really we would like it to be and once he cooled off that was kind of it and that's the kind of thing that is a real issue um, when you don't have Giannis. I mean, not to go about the obvious here, but he's the guy who you can rely on to just keep things ticking over and see them true. And instead, we got this kind of supernova burst from Drew, but he was not going to sustain that or even sustain 60-70% of that consistently throughout the game. That kind of burns out. And where they're left with, they're left with a whole lot of nothing, and they give up one of the bigger runs of the game and don't really recover from there. And honestly, part of my thought on this, and I mean, I don't mean this to be disrespectful because I just think it's completely factual, but maybe that makes it very disrespectful. This is maybe the worst home court in the NBA and the playoffs. It sucks. Those fans are terrible. That building is terrible. They don't show up until the second just Like, you're looking at just red seats. White t-shirts draped over red seats until you get to, like, the second quarter. Yeah, about halfway through the second quarter. Listen, he fans, if you're any of this, we know. We've all heard about the traffic. We've heard about it for years going back to LeBron's time there. 
We do we do it's... have a we do have some good heat listeners, so do we? Okay, yeah. well that's good for them. I'm not they're having a better time than we are right now. But it is not a place to go and really have any concerns. It just isn't. It's a place where the books can go turn it on and go and take home court back. Like the, I think this is maybe the least intimidating home court in the entirety of the playoffs right now. Atlanta. I think Atlanta's better. Atlanta's Atlanta's better for, for playoff terms, games, Jordan. In playoff games, possibly, but I also think from a Bucks perspective, I what was the last time? I mean, the last time the Bucks won two consecutive road games against Miami was. First oh time. well, look, that's a that's a different that's a different story altogether. That's as much as everyone kind of felt like the Heat demons were conquered en route to the championship. I've never quite been there. They're a franchise I just do not like playing. Eric Spolster is a no. coach. I do not like playing. The, the identity behind the team does not really mesh well with what the books like to do. It Even if Giannis is out there and they're winning the series, and even if they prevail right now, I think the thing with the Heat is it's never comfortable for the books. And all it takes then is a couple of swings in the wrong direction and you go from not being comfortable to being extremely uncomfortable, which I think is a lot of what we're seeing right now. I give credit to the Heat for, one, how well they're shooting. Give credit to Jimmy Butler for how well he's playing and how he just does not care about Drew Holiday guarding him in a way that basically just doesn't apply to any other player in the NBA. So incredibly, incredibly impressive. The books are getting in their own way, though, too. It's just it's bad. It's bad offensively. It's bad defensively. The there's oh. a long list of basics that I think we can go through from this game. That it's like you know what this was really ugly. The books had probably four to five moments where it's like okay, it's right there now. Just all you've got to do is string two possessions together, and the whole momentum has flipped on its head, and this game is yours for the taking. Couple stops and they couple threes. It not even not even that extreme, not even that extreme. But as the game progressed, I, they just found increasingly more and more comedic ways to blow those opportunities every time they present themselves. Every time you're like, okay, this is the moment where you could get it down to seven. Jay Crowder misses a terrible shot. I can't remember if that was Duncan Robinson or who it was. Um, I think it was Duncan Robinson. Number ninety nine, boss who, man. Went down the other end, made a tree, and instead of being a seven-point game, it's a 12-point game. That was a backbreaker. Killer. Killer. Backbreaker. The other one, I think, where they could have got it to, it was like nine, if I remember correctly, was when Chris inbounds it too hard from the baseline. Brooke isn't looking, and you just put it straight out of bounds. Which was was Brooke Lopez's third sort of gaffe in that game. Because uh, there was a possession, or like, Earlier in that game, where what was it? He just he just missed. Uh, uh, he just didn't get it inbounded to him, or and then at the next possession, like uh, Drew Holiday tries to kick it out to Brooke, and just he lets it dribble between, like go between his legs. Weird Brooke game. Leading to Did... it was it was one of the worst Brook Lopez terrible, games I've terrible ever seen. Game. He was he was like he was just not a factor. 
at all really in this game and it's it's which is super disappointing to see after we saw how well the bucks started last game by like because of brooke lopez we saw him featured we saw him getting to his spots we saw him dominating well in this game he just felt off and it's not it wasn't even necessarily like a game plan thing it was just brooke lopez was not playing to his best ability like there were a couple times where he's trying to he's like there's clearly sets to get him in position and he's just not doing anything with it. And it's even defensively, he struggled a lot in this game. Like, even though he was uh, able to hold Bam Adebayo to uh, whatever uh, the shooting, he did uh, poor shooting and got him in foul trouble. It was, it was like, he was letting other players get to the rim at these. Like, it's been a consistent issue with him and Jimmy Butler. Like, Jimmy Butler is dominating that matchup. We talked a lot about this in our uh, lead up to this series about how one thing you 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 can contain Jimmy by like sort of giving him space and uh, letting him try to get to the rim. One, the space isn't uh, a lot because he's knocking down his threes this series. He, he's credit to Jimmy Butler. He's doing the damn thing. But also like at the rim, he is, he's taking Brooke every time down there. Like Brooke's gotten a handful of blocks, but Brooke Lopez should not be letting Jim, Jimmy Butler finish this consistently over him. But he is this series. It's just been such a weird Brooke Lopez series. And this game was entirely emblematic of how, like, sort of, frankly, bad his performance has been. On, on that, because let's, what you know what, let's start to put a little bit of structure on this. We can't have Ty not be here and him be accusing us of just kind of, although we could easily just work through our various feelings. We'll do that in a more structured this way. This is therapy. So, so let's let's start with the defense, um, because we're we're right there as it is. Brooke has to do better in those situations. What I will also say though is the books are doing a terrible, terrible job of stopping dribble penetration. And Brooke is seeing more guys just get straight through to him, smaller guys than he ever usually does. I think there are a few factors in this. One, it's crazy based on where we would have been, I don't know, a couple of months ago, but the Bucks could really do it. West Matthews getting healthy and getting out there right now. I think part of that is certainly you're getting nothing from Jay Crowder, as we'll get to later. Uh, Javon is not showing up in this series at all on either end. It's just, it hasn't been good. And you're seeing just a lot of blow-bys like we know this is an issue for someone like chris it can be an issue for grayson joe ingles is out there a lot when we get to offense we'll talk about how joe ingles is being used or i guess misutilized um by bud but that's something that to me is honestly it's kind of the series right now we can talk with the other side of when we get to the offense the heat are able to find ways to dribble through to the rim at will, and the books are not able to do that at all on the other side of the floor. And even if it's not as simple as just points in the paint, although I'm going to guess that if I'm to have a look at points in the paint, that's probably a factor here. It is something that it's factoring into shot creation. It's factoring into how hard you're making the opponent work for their points like that that's a part of this too it feels like anytime the books get something going 
you're just not stopping the Heat, and not only are you not stopping them, they're scoring much quicker than the Bucks. The Bucks are slowing it down. It's in Chris's hand. It's naturally slower than it is, I guess, when Giannis is out there. But the Heat, there's no real resistance. Jordan, I'll throw it to you. What are what are your thoughts on the Bucks' issues containing the Heat off the dribble, and then I guess the the backline. Of the defense, Brooke Lopez not really coming up with the goods to to get them out of that bind either. Um, I mean, there's multiple ways we can go with it. I mean, the defense has been sorely lacking for the whole series. I mean, we can deem game two a blowout win for the Bucks. Um, it was, but the Heat still shot at a efficient clip, like they were still in that game um, late in, because of their three-point shooting and stuff like that. Um, you're obviously without Giannis for, what, all but eight minutes that he was on the floor, whatever it was. Um, I think part of it is the Heat just really know how to extend offensive pos- possessions and still generate good looks late in the shot clock because they're always moving. They're always keeping people, like, you can't let up. It's not just about the guy that is on the ball, but because they're always active off the ball, a lot of ball watching. I thought Pat was disastrous when, during his first shift tonight. He kind of rebounded as the night went on, but he was mm-hmm. doing a lot of ball watching, very stuck in, in mud. Jay Crowder, God damn it. Can you just like guard someone like that? <laughs> that was the same thing where it's like he, they pull him so quick and it's because he makes defensive errors. And he has been a step slow throughout his time, brief time with the Bucks. He's not a difference maker if he's going to keep playing like that. That's that's part oh, of the problem. He is a difference maker. He's making he's a, a difference, big difference maker in a, for in the a Heat very, every time he comes into the game. Of course. Um, and Brooke, I mean, yeah, it's been a challenging series, but like, if it's Jimmy Butler going at you and the guy that just doesn't, he doesn't let up. He he has a bruised glute. Uh, according to Eric Spolstra, and it does not matter because he's just going to relentlessly go after you because he takes his rearview mirrors off his cars, and I do not uh, prescribe that by any means, but that is a part of Jimmy Butler's stupid-ass lore, but he's a good damn basketball player, and I hate it. I hate it! Ugh. There it is. <laughs> oh, God! Tell us how you feel about Jimmy Butler, Jordan. He's really good, and it's... it's uh it's just frustrating to see like Brooke is still doing his job correctly. But if you're playing, if you're essentially what the Heat are doing is playing Brooke Lopez one-on-one, normally that would be a bet that I think that the Bucks would win. When it's Jimmy Butler driving you 12 to 14 times a game and Gabe Vincent sneaks in there, like, I don't know. He, he's another, he's Bucks killer on my radar. Um, it just, it's really hard to defend against this team because they play the exact same frustrating way under Eric Spolster for 15 fucking years and just still like, it's, ah, I will pass. I, yeah. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you not think, though, I think they can get away with, like, I, I do think they could rigidly stick to the ways that Brooke is being beaten by Jimmy Butler if everyone else was doing their job. I think the the problem is we're not just seeing, oh, you know, the books are getting beaten because they're stuck in their ways and what works in the regular season is not working now. It's kind of across the board. Guys are not doing what they're supposed to do to enable that to work. Because if it was just Jimmy Butler doing his thing, that's kind of built into what the book's planned for. And you say, okay, he's not beating us on his own, particularly with this roster around him. The problem is not even if it's, you know, it's not necessarily showing up in gaudy points totals, but you'd mention like, the movement, the ball movement, the off-ball movement. It's the fact that they are being allowed to dictate the offensive flow of the game entirely and get everyone involved. Like, that's that's the real issue here. It's not to say, well, you know, the book shouldn't be looking to do something differently to counter what is hurting them. But I, I do think that's not necessarily something that the books wouldn't have budgeted for coming into this series. I think it's really everything else that is making it so much greater as a problem right now. Yeah. I think, I think the way you put it when you said like they're letting the heat dictate the offensive flow is a really good way of putting it because you can see like, like when the the bucks are on the offensive end and like uh, compared to when Miami's on the offensive end, you can see that Miami's in total control of the flow of the game. Like you can see they're getting to where they want to go and the bucks are playing to what the defense gives them in this series which is it's the old cliche but also like why would you do that 
why would you play to what the defense gives you? You should go and get like get your own. You should be the ones making an impact on this game. Um, I know we were talking about defense. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up, like, what did we think about? Uh, how, how do we feel about the Bucks and their their approach to ball screens here? Like, we saw we saw a Just lot. Stop going under. Yeah, yeah it's driving terrible. me insane, Rowan. Every single time they're going under and they're getting torched. Like we're we're into game three now. And it's I don't even think that that's necessarily I think with Butler, obviously that's the game plan. I think there's good reason. There's but years it, no, and years no, of no, evidence. No, 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 I, no, no. Jordan, I no. get why they were doing it. No. They should probably stop at this point. No. But I get yes. why that was something they were doing. Stop. But they're doing it to everyone. Like they're doing it to Duncan Robinson. It's like, why are you going under on Duncan Robinson? And a part of that, I think, is it's coming down. They're not fighting true screens very well. Like they're they're very much in this game. Um, I think the physicality went up a notch. I think the officials allowed that. I don't think it was like poorly officiated in any way. I, I thought Set Part now actually had a really good point on this. Kind of equating um equating officiating to weather in terms of this variable. And he was highlighting this as an example where, you know what? It's being called fairly. It's being called in a way that is kind of consistent across the board. But there is a built-in advantage for one team over the other team if a game is officiated in this way. And it is playing into the Heat's hands, even though the whistle may be the same for both teams. This is helping them to play with a more physical edge defensively. The Bucks can do that, though, and I think we we spent a lot of time this season, I know you and I did anyway, Jordan, talking about the kind of the makeup of this team, the characters, and being like, yeah, there's there's a little bit more edge than we're used to with previous Bucks teams. Where is it? Like, where where is that? Where is that physicality? Where is that fight? Because I think screens are absolutely, first and foremost, where we're seeing it. They're not fighting true, and just beyond that, they're going under over and over and over again and it's driving me crazy the the edge is uh getting run through screen after screen after screen and that's bobby portis joe angles and jay crowder that's that's the issue like the the, the guys with the edge are guys who are showing edge when they're getting hot on the well, offensive end and that's what not, about what about javon though like J- javon is a guy who you expect and who is generally very good at fighting over screens and feels like exactly the kind of defender they need to make a big impact now. Like, Javon, I think, has been really poor. He could still be the key to flipping this series in a hurry for the books, particularly if Wes Matthews is not going to come back. Because they just need someone who is going to fight, who is going to get over screens, and give some resistance on the perimeter. Because right now they're not stopping the Heat from getting to the rim off the dribble. They're allowing them to get high-quality open three-point looks, how could you win with that? You can't. Like, even if Giannis was there, these games would be much closer than we'd like for comfort. You just cannot play that way. So I I don't know. That's part of it is looking to, okay, this is the deepest roster in the history of this franchise. This was a golden opportunity to have this offseason with this array of players. And here we are, round one, and they're being confronted with a problem to be solved. And it's like, okay, some of these guys have gotta gotta kind of show what they're here for. Come out, come out and play to what they are good at. I hope we see it. I I will say 
I mean, you're you're absolutely right. I want to I want to preface this by saying you are absolutely one hundred percent correct. Uh, I will say though, like even with Giannis not playing, like I do think Giannis he, he does fix a lot of these issues. Of course, like, of he, course, like, he fixes a lot of these issues. Like everything I think about, it's like when we're going through the list of things that have gone wrong for the Bucks, it's like, oh yeah, this is a this is a Giannis thing. For example, if we want to talk about Jimmy Butler. Giannis helps with that uh, because he he's shown in the past in the postseason that he can be like a Jimmy Butler stopper when he is his primary defender. We talk about like going over and going under ball screens. I will say I'm not justifying this, but one example of why the Bucks may not be fighting so hard over screens is because they don't want to create advantages that draw help because they don't have the weak side defense that they're used to. They have they legitimately have to have to play like one-on-one in terms of like screening actions. Like you have to play like two-on-two if you're running like a pick and roll. And because they don't have that backline defense to uh, sort of recover in every direction in the help because Giannis is a fucking pterodactyl on defense. Like you don't have that. You don't have the guy stopping. Like a lot of these defensive issues, I think get cleaned up by Giannis. And again, like you, like you mentioned, they'd probably be closer than we expect because the heat are to their credit. They're doing a really damn good job, but it just, it's, I hope he's ready to go for game four. Uh, I, I think we're going to see him, like, whether he's feeling great or not. If we don't see him in game four, they could be down 3-1, and we know we know how that works. We know how that works. It wouldn't be impossible with this team, wouldn't be impossible with Giannis, but if you put yourself in that spot, you can expect to be going home. That's the reality of it. So game four is must win. It's like if if the books have any any real, you know, desire or intent about, you know, having what isn't one of the most embarrassing postseasons of all time, you gotta win game four. And with that, are they keeping Giannis out? Will Giannis allow them to keep him out at that point? I I really don't know. I I don't know because there's so much of this, and obviously we're not getting kind of the the level of detailed updates that we would love to have, and I don't expect them at this moment. And it's also not the kind of injury where that's easy. But this is pain management to a degree, and it's what's the comfort level going to be, and how is it going to impact him when he's out there? So by the time game four rolls around, what percent of Giannis are we talking about? Like. Do we, I mean, you could add in his wrist and lots of other things that are maybe chipping away at this, which you'd expect at this point in the season. His knee is always good to be to be bothering him at this time. But I think whatever it is, they're just going to need it. They're going to need it, if anything, to just kind of disrupt the Heat's game plan. And I, I do agree with you entirely. Obviously, I'm not going to be the guy who's like, Giannis doesn't fix most of the book's problems here. Of course he does, but there are, there are lots of things that are going poorly defensively that are also things that, for example, I, I think they could do a much better job of boxing it, out. Exactly. And like, things th- are that's, fixable. That's one where you're like, oh, th- well, this is a Giannis problem too. Um, if he comes back, they're still going to allow the Heat to get points they shouldn't be just giving away in postseason games. Too many easy points. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, but... I think the problems here are running deeper. And I think that's the most important thing that we don't just yada yada this away as, yeah, well, they don't have Giannis and Giannis isn't there. These are real issues that Giannis could come back 
And if they don't just get it together, I, I feel like to say make adjustments would be wrong because part of this is just locking in and playing seriously. This is the playoffs and your season is now officially on the line. That's the point we've reached. So you got to show up. You've got to take every possession seriously. You've got to lock in. We'll see what happens from there. You, you got to lock in hashtag dub nation. Uh, I don't know why I said that, <laughs> but you're, you, you're, you're so right. Like, obviously like, like we, I think we're in lockstep here, Adam, like Giannis fixes a lot of these problems, but you also can fix these problems without Giannis. I, I think is the, is, is a good way of just sort of summing that all up. Like there's a lot of issues here where you, you absolutely can and should win this series. If Giannis is not playing like the bucks should be up. In this series, even though Giannis has only played 10 minutes, like you mentioned earlier, Jordan, who's again going through it. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's 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 a tough it's a tough place to be in. Um, if we were talking defense, uh, just getting back to that topic of defense, uh, we I, I think we talked mentioned earlier about some individual players getting blown by a lot. And uh, I think the biggest culprits I think you mentioned, Adam, are like Grayson, Chris, Joe. How. How do you think the Bucks go and sort of like try and mitigate those issues? Because the Heat have a lot of slashers on this team. And we know that Grayson, Chris, Joe are very important to this team in terms of offensive versatility. It's it's sort of like a give and take here. But Jordan, what's your take on that? Um it'll tie into other points that I've been stewing on. Um, we've, been, we've been letting him charge up here. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's tough because Bobby without Giannis is the right play for the starting lineup. He's your energy guy. He's sets a tone in a very, gives you an edge, which you certainly want to see more of. Him getting into foul trouble tonight really hurt them because it just throws off, you know, what rotation you have left. And I know, Adam, you mentioned it about their depth and everything like that. But now it's like they they we can still say that they're the deepest team in terms of like credible options that they have They're They have experienced NBA players that have been through lengthy playoff runs, even if it hasn't meant winning championships. Myers Leonard, for instance. No, oh, no. Bro, huh? <sighs> The fact that he played a playoff game. Jordan, yes. let's stick to, stick on message. Come Sorry. on, you can do it. Let's not give him the airtime. Um, Bobby getting into foul trouble hurt. Obviously, this not having Giannis. Um, Wesley being out. Grayson played well. Pat played decent to well. Jake Crowder is still whatever he is doing. He's that shooting stars meme where he's just floating over planets and Uranus <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, Wait, what? <laughs> he he's just lost for the series, uh, Rohan. Currently, um, Javon has been. I don't know what. It's been tough with Javon because I think the most reasonable player that he or or realistic player that he would have had to guard going into the series, I would have predicted is Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero broke his middle and ring fingers um, in game one. 
they're really like other than that is it Gabe Vincent is it Kyle Lowry those guys are Vincent starting Kyle Lowry's coming off the bench is there better ways to kind of get Javon out there so you can you know lessen the load for Drew who is basically guarding Jimmy Butler every possession that he's on the floor with him it kind of you know uh lighten his workload that way or you know it, it I don't know what's going on I think with What's going on with Javon is more of like it's not necessarily about his abilities this series, though he hasn't played particularly well or well at all. Um, but there isn't like a, a, a kind of like, oh, okay, we need Javon to like kind of balance out the rotation. Then if you're safe, like Giannis does miss game four, if you're putting Javon out there to, for Bobby, it throws like, what does that look like? Without him there, I don't know. I'm just going through it. Rohan's laughing at me. I'm still no, he's he, point, so. he's not. I sent him. I sent him a James Harden shooting star meme, so you could know what okay. your Jay Crowder. Thank you. Was. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking out for you, Jordan. What was I saying? What was I saying? Guard Jimmy Butler on the fucking three point line. I, I I've been listening to the Bally feed, and I get it. He doesn't make a lot of threes. The problem is, is that he doesn't take a lot of threes. He's hitting his shots this whole series. He's been hitting. He was eight for twelve in game two. He was had a whatever many points in game one. He was fantastic until that bruised glute came out of nowhere. Guard him from three. Just do it. This happened in the bubble, and I. Ah, put your rear view mirrors on. <laughs> To to go to something you said earlier, Ron, and uh, I think to your original question here on what do the books do about, I guess, the type of players who are being blown by and, you know, how do you possibly counter that? I, I think your point about not having Giannis out there as the kind of solve-all help defender and forcing the books into different choices is a very good one. Guess what? At this point, you've got to make the other choices. You've got to say... Okay, we're not going to have to help defender there. Let's see the Heat make that shot as opposed to giving up what you're giving up at the moment. Um, because I, I think there's kind of maybe a fear of one thing that is also fueling something which is currently beating you, which is one, whether it's that they're getting to the rim and then they're being able to kick out for trees or if it's just the trees in their own right. Um, I like. I, I'm wary of like I feel like I'm rustling the hornet's nest here and like kind of Jordan shout at me Jimmy Butler sure I'd guard him I, I would Jordan he made four trees though it's not the end of the world it's it's visceral we're back to like the good old days of playoff books where the three pointers they are going in for the opponents and they are visceral Jordan um I could live with it if other guys were doing their jobs and they were stopping any of these other key players from being real factors. And that is just the books. That will always be Mike Budenholzer's books will be, okay, the best player on the opposing team? Sure, let him do what he can do. We're going to try and take away pretty much everything else. And when you're failing on the latter part, that's when it becomes a real problem. But I'm... I'm with you. I wouldn't I wouldn't go into game four and be like, you know, just let him do what he wants. But 
I don't want an overcorrection to that. I don't want the books to start panicking about that. In terms of decisions they could make, that is not the worst of them. Yeah, I mean, if there's one panic adjustment that I'm not going to be upset about is like, hey, maybe guard the guy who's on fire from three or one of the guys who's on fire from three. Like, I'm not going to be upset about that. I mean, I, I would say that Jimmy Butler is, like, regardless of how many threes he's hitting, he's still more dangerous operating inside the paint. And if you go over the screen, you create an advantage for him to get into the lane and finish over Brook, try to finish over Brooke Lopez, like I mentioned earlier. He's having a lot of success with this series. So he's just a guy who's killing in every facet to, of the game. And credit to him. He's doing a really good job, like I mentioned earlier. But just... I'm I'm struggling to come up with ways. The reason I posited the question earlier about the guys being blown by on defense, I think is more of an indictment on sort of the roster construction that they have to deal with right now, where they've had to load up on guys who are a little bit, a little, a little uh, more offensive heavy than defensive heavy than we've had in previous seasons. Especially when you come up with a guy like, like Chris Middleton, who's been slipping a little on the defensive end, which is, you know, it's no fault of his own. It's been injuries. It's been age. Like he's had a rough go at it. Like, I'm not going to blame him for that. Like, like Bobby Portis, another guy who's been known to struggle on the defensive end, Joe Ingles, who's like sort of getting blown by. And these guys are important offensive pieces. Jordan, you mentioned earlier, Bobby Portis getting into foul trouble, really throwing off the team. And I, I completely agree. Because he was he was a spark. He was an offensive spark. He was last game. He was this game. He just he was in foul trouble because the Heat kept running him through every action they could, trying to hunt him on defense. Because you know what? That's a weakness. And the Heat were targeting that mm-hmm. weakness. And that's what the Heat are doing. They're finding all of these players that have these defensive weaknesses on the box and they're exploiting it. And again, it's it's I keep coming back to this and I don't want to, but this logic keeps coming back to me. It's like, yeah, you don't have the all-world help defender to help clean up these issues because that's what makes this offense, like this defense, excuse me, run, is you can have these gaps on the perimeter. You can have these lapses on the perimeter because you have Brooke Lopez and Giannis Atetokounmpo. Right now you got Brooke Lopez, who, like we talked about earlier, is not playing his best. And it's and just like, I, I, I'm trying not to come back to the honest thing, but I keep coming back to the honest thing. And I just, I, I can't think of a way around. Yeah, but I, I think the roster is there, though. It's like, Jay Crowder is part, that's boss, part of what you bring man, in. Nine, nine, what are you doing? Okay, here's the rant. Here's the rant. Uh, I pledge if that if the, I for people who don't know, I am notorious for not having any single piece of Bucks gear. I do not own any jerseys. I don't own anything like Bucks related, which people find to be insane. And you know what? It might be. It probably is insane. Hey, Jordan, show me the hat you're wearing. Yeah, look at that. Adam, look at your hat. Look at your shirt. <laughs> like sure. it's, it's it's something. But I pledge that if the Bucks win a title this year, I am getting a custom boss man 99 jersey. Bossman 99, what are you doing, <laughs> my guy? Like, you are supposed to be the piece that really keeps this team, like, they have that grit. They have that playoff intensity. They have that offensive versatility at times because he's shown it. He's shown it even during his brief time at the Bucks. Hey, I can be a defensive guy. Hey, I can actually do things off the bounce. I can attack closeout. I can make some good passes if I need to on a quaternary action. 
I can do that. Boss man nine nine, you're missing bunnies. Like what? What is what is happening here? I d- I don't understand why what is happening with Jay Crowder because this is a series where you think potentially like I know I talked about this last episode where it's like maybe this isn't the best matchup for Jay Crowder because he is a guy th- you throw out against a team like the Celtics where they're very wing heavy and this is a this is a heat team where they're very like hybrid guard heavy and that's just maybe not his thing I just I don't understand like he should be able to make some sort of impact and credit to Bud he's had a quick leash with him in that re- in that regard he's, he's had terrible a... because he's, he's been terrible. bad he's, he's been bad. so bad he but he has looks been like a negative and I bad don't man get their nicknames boss man 99 you can't type in all caps on Twitter and then show up in the playoffs like this what are you doing? Where's the all-caps playoff run here? Like, my guy, you're going to have to tweet in lowercase now based on what you're doing. You can't use a capital letter. I want you to stop using conventional grammar methods and start a sentence with a lowercase letter based on what you're doing in this postseason. I beg you earn this back because I'm taking away your caps uh, privileges. Every single time Ty Windish just decides not to come on a postseason podcast, this happens to me. Just just routinely. It happens to me. Um, yeah, he's terrible. terrible. I mean, he looks he looks like someone who went into semi-retirement, which he did, and is not coming out He was out posting workout well. videos, man. I don't know what you're talking about. Crowder, Jimbo, wet Not the same. Oh, God. Feels Crowder, like a long, Jimbo, dry, long, dry. long time ago. <sighs> yeah, I, 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 I'm gonna give you permission, Ron, to, uh, to back out of that pledge you made. Anyway, I think everyone will support it because if the books win a championship from here, I think you should still, you know, not have to buy a Jay Crowder jersey. I go get yourself a Thanasis. So I was gonna say I'm getting a Thanasis jersey. <laughs> I got yeah. it. I got it. I'll one up you right now. If the Bucks win a title oh, after gosh. being down 2-1. Actually, I'm not going to say it. No, you can't start it and not say it. You yeah. started it. I was just saying I was going to get a Myers letter jersey so I could burn it. Oh, God. <laughs> Should we pivot to the offense? <laughs> yeah, let's pivot to the offense expeditiously. Yeah, let's pivot. Uh, <laughs> let's, um... Yeah, this offense, I think we, we mentioned this when talking about the Heat defense uh, a bit earlier, is like the Heat defense are dictating what the Bucks are doing on offense. We saw, like I mentioned earlier, at the beginning of game two, we saw the Bucks offense really focus on weaponizing their size. They were taking advantage of every single size advantage that they have. And uh, I mean, I th- I, this isn't something we had mentioned yet, but the Heat countered this game by starting Kevin Love uh, instead of Duncan Robinson. They went with a bigger option, and that sort of seemed to help a little bit uh, with the with the size mismatch they had because they could consistently go to either whoever Max Struess was guarding at the time, whether that's Brooke Lopez or Bobby Portis on a given possession, and it was uh, like that's something that the Bucks really used to their advantage. Used to, they they were able to build a big lead and never give it up based on that size mismatch, and uh, that that counter of going with a bigger guy really sort of, I wouldn't want to say like Kevin Love was the defensive stopper they needed because he absolutely is not and will not be. 
but he he does he mitigates the size disadvantage right you can't like just get a free bucket just by throwing a bigger guy the ball which is what the bucks were having success doing in the beginning of game two uh but offensively this team was a train wreck like we we mentioned we mentioned drew holiday getting hot early what did he have like uh 10 points or something in the first quarter he ended the game with 19 like he was four for 14 after going four for four to start the game oh that's really depressing yeah oh four cool. one four for all the bad that's, reasons that's a bad say four one four yeah so he missed his uh his his last 10 shots so that's that's uh or no no he went four for 14 oh after yeah. that oh i thought you were saying he went four for 14 for the game no yeah. uh yeah, very, very uh, not encouraging. After getting my hopes up for, oh my God, is this going to be a Drew Holiday masterclass? It was not on the offensive end or the defensive end. Uh, but yeah, offensively, this team, they like it's it's easy to just sort of say, oh, they're not moving the ball a lot because that's that's sort of discrediting what the Heat are doing on defense, which is not allowing any passing lanes whatsoever and forcing the Bucks to really play one-on-one mis- uh, one-on-one basketball. And it's just, but it's it's hard not to say that, hey, the Bucks are not getting within the flows of their own offense because they're not. There's a lot of, there's a lot of standing around. They're, they're very stagnant activity. And you just see these lulls that you're, that you're used to seeing when the Bucks play like a, like a physical, uh, sort of active defense like the Miami Heat. And again, credit to the Heat defense because they were making their stamp. They were saying, hey, Bucks, you you play to what we give you. We do not sort of react to what you're doing. You're going to have to react to us. And I think that's just the story of the game for the Bucks offense. Like, sure, they missed a lot of shots. Um, what did they end up in this game from? Uh... But it, it wasn't like a typical. It wasn't like game one where they were well twenty four percent from. Three no, they were they were thirty eight and a half percent, fifteen for thirty nine. It was respectable in that way, where they were hitting threes. They were when they weren't turning over the ball. Uh, their offense was good, doing well. I thought Chris is really driving the offense. And I know he had five turnovers. I know Drew had five turnovers. But I thought when Chris had had a steam, he was really pushing the pace. He was doing everything that he was doing in game two. Did you, did you think he was pushing the pace? Uh, I, I really that, did. Yeah. Uh, this this is part I... of my my problem uh, is I think obviously we've known Giannis and we understand the way it works and it's handed to Chris and Chris can be very effective. And he's not being ineffective by any means in this series. Like individually, plenty of good stuff there. There's some not some great stuff with his handle. Um that's which is that, not new either. Can we, can we talk about that? Because the well, ball handling was egregiously bad in this game. So this this is this is kind of part of what I want to get into more generally, which the where this ends up is probably not going to surprise anyone. Um I, I just I think it's too slow. I think the Heat's entire strategy is they want to impose themselves physically on the books on the defensive end of the floor. If you play with real tempo, if you can get out and transition, we know the greatest transition threat in the NBA is not out on the floor right now, and that takes away a lot of what you got going for you. I still think you can push and play with more purpose. On the occasions when they did that, Chris was losing the handle. Things were getting really sloppy, really careless. So he did honestly what he does best, um, he did his best kind of seven-time All-Star Joe Johnson impression, and he slowed it right, right down. It wasn't always necessarily ISO ball, but 
he was going to measure up his opponent like that pretty regularly and make decisions from there. The book spacing was not good off the back of that. They were really all over the place in a very literal sense where everyone's kind of collapsing in all at once and you're all of a sudden like, wait, there's no one in the corners? There's a few moments like that, which is like so, so far removed from what's just been core to the books for years. But it's just, that is not working. And it's not like Giannis, we're long removed from the days where Giannis was the primary ball handler on this team, which should make them better equipped to deal with his absence. And yet it doesn't, because it's almost like that's the that's the easy out that's always there. That's your first look. That's where you're going. And without that, I feel like Chris is like, uh, okay, like, what am I doing? Particularly if Drew's not out there as well. So who's getting the ball here? And that's where when Chris has the ball in his hands, you're, you're almost hurting yourself a little bit because there's no obvious off-ball threat. Now, there's an easy solution to this. Joe Ingles played... Oh. No, it's Joe Ingles. He played 22 minutes. This is something that has been talked about throughout the series. Back to the game one pod. If he's out there, you've got to give him the ball. Like, there is no point in being out there. He's a, He's a very good shooter. Had a tough night tonight. But I still, I will trust him to knock down trees just about as much as all but maybe two tree books players. So that's fine. What's two a lot better three. is, yeah, maybe not even that many. It's, it's, it's probably it's Grayson. And, you know, playoff Pat is hard to hard to resist. Anyway. I, I might take Joe over Pat at this point. Joe's been nailed. Oh, well, Joe, he was one for six today. Yeah. But he he's a great shooter, and he has a long track record as a great shooter. What he is best at, though, is his ability to pick apart a defense. Is his ability, in spite of not being the quickest guy, to kind of unlock a turn of pace where you can just shift the dynamics of an offense, where you can catch the defense on the back foot, and it's like all of the things they were doing so well with Ingles since he got back to hell throughout the regular season, they're gone. And what's maybe most baffling about that is, for example, why not just run the hell out of the Ingles Brook two man game and solve two of your problems in one fell swoop? Because that's how you really get to exploit what should be there for you with Brook against the Heat. It's how you get more creative looks. You will get Joe going downhill and being able to pass to the corners. Like, again, just the complete lack of dribble penetration means Grace Allen can shoot out of his mind. Pat Connaughton can shoot out of his mind. If you're not getting to the paint, eventually those shots are going to stop falling because the quality of them is going to drop off. So this is something for me where I'm like, you can get more out of Brooke. You could free Chris up to attack kind of on the move rather than having to initiate and slow things down. Same can go for Drew. You could get Drew some more catch and shoot looks, which we know how dangerous he can be in that setting. It just seems really obvious and they've moved so far away from it. And if that's the case, you're playing Joe Ingles too much because he's going to be a defensive liability. This is the thing all season that I know you and I have talked about Jordan and I felt strongly about. I think he can play in any matchup. No problem. He can play major minutes. Because my thing was, 
the Bucks could outscore anyone because their offense would be that kind of supercharged with him out there. Guess what? If you're not going to give him the ball to do what he's good at, it won't be. And then you're just leaving him out there as an easy target on defense. So that that is maybe the most baffling thing of of all um, that the Bucks are doing, that Bud and the staff are doing for me, because I think Joe Ingles could really help them to solve a lot of their problems if they give him the ball and they ask him to create, to facilitate more than necessarily just being a catch-and-shoot guy. And they haven't been um, – they weren't they, – he weren't throwing out, like, bodies towards him like they were with Drew and Chris. They made a specific point to slow down Drew and Chris, whether it was bringing the ball up the floor or whether it was in half-court situations that you saw the zone looks, the just – it's not even just zone. It's just like Eric Spolster just in a lab and throwing shit at a wall, and it it's working because he can do stuff like that. Yeah, like it does. Joe Ingles is like, it's not his game two performance was great, but it wasn't indicative of how he could uplift this Bucks offense. It was indicative of hey, you hit your threes. That was a great, great job, and. They hit an NBA history tying or whatever it was, 25 threes. That's where it, there has been some meat off the bone of like, we know we're without Giannis and that helps everything. The fact that they only really had one big until Myers Leonard got in the game um, with Bobby being in foul trouble, um, even with him playing through it, that doesn't help Joe Ingles whatsoever because he needs pick and roll he needs guys moving rather than just to get something going but yeah it's stuff like that that like you can fix and try to alleviate the pressure put on drew and chris because they're doing everything they can to kind of keep this going but i don't know it's it's hard it's dire it's dire straits because of the way the heat have been shooting the ball i mean that's the thing too is that like Jimmy Butler has been really great, but Bam had his first, like, I would say, I guess he's been, like, good for six of the 12 quarters. Um, He was pretty like, just... He's just... He was not... He's, a, he's, he's just a so middle of the road. Like, he's fine. It's just, he's, 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 not a, he's not a star in the series at all. No, he's, he's not. No. It's the reason why that without Giannis, we're still like, well, the book should win this series is because Bam is not at the level of Jimmy Butler. You know, it's if they had two stars like that, then you're like, okay, well, without Giannis, this should be tough. And it turns out it is. Like, Bam is a very useful player across multiple areas of the game. He's good. He's very good. But. I, he's not what his reputation, whether that's from like All Star stuff or Team USA, like there's an inflated reputation that I think is attached to him that isn't entirely reflective of how he can impact playoff games. Yeah. Also, before before we go, uh, I wanted to mention on on Drew Holiday and his offensive performance, the the, the caption that the Bucks tweeted out for his highlight reel is so funny. They said Drew started oh, strong. Said, yeah, <laughs> he did. He sure did. And then what Bucks, happened? Bucks turnovers put them in a de- deficit they couldn't overcome as they followed Miami in Game Three. Says it better than anything I could have said on this podcast. I know, but can I can can I get a I, look? I've got a sign behind me saying "Win in Six. I do host a podcast called "Win in Six. Can I get it in front of just? I'm not even in front. I'm I'm way behind at this point. Particularly by the time people listen to this. 
just mess me with it. Oh, you got to lose two to win in six. This is the first round. This is the first round. That's all that is great in the finals. You know, I loved, loved winning an NBA championship in six. As some of the people, I mean, not surprising who are out there being like, oh, you know, got to, got to win in six games. So that's not the end of the world. Just shut up. This is not. This is not something to run with as, oh, look at this. This is cool. Let's play into our our lifestyle uh, clothing brands that we now have. Forget about it. Go win the series. There's nothing cute about that at this point. Um, the prophecy was fulfilled, and it shouldn't be brought back to make it into a thing where it's like, oh, you know, playing the Heat in the first round. We're the championship favorites. We're 2-1 down. Just have to win in six. Just stop. That is fair. That is fair. I think uh, I think I know who you're talking about here. But, uh, you definitely do. Uh, <laughs> it's just yeah. It's just uh, maybe maybe win the series. Like it's also the scheduling is crazy. Like like Philly's already advanced. <laughs> like the, their series is over. Like it's uh, like I, I I get the scheduling thing. I mean I mean. I guess I get the scheduling thing a little, but like the that that series has already played four games. This is three just ended today. Like like these teams are advancing. Can we just can we can we can we wrap this? Can we wrap that? Can you win this series, please? Like this is the well, first round. And they win this series is a valid question at this, this point. This series has to go at least six for the Bucks to win it. This is the first. I think it's hitting me. I think it's hitting me. Like this is the first round. The Bucks are the number one overall seed in the NBA. Sure, they don't have Giannis, uh, which again is context that will probably get lost to history if this goes poorly. But this is the number one overall seed in the NBA, and like, come on, like you're not the Dirk Mavs who completely shit the bed that year. Like, to Ooh, the they might be. They might be worse. Like, that's. That's what we're facing. Like they are staring that right down. Like it's not something like oh, least, well, that no, could Dirk, happen. Dirk played them though. I, I think the Bucks are just so much more dominant as a team. I do not believe the Mavericks were title favorites. Like uh, this, this will be astonishingly bad, and it's it could have major ramifications in a whole bunch of ways that I don't think necessarily any of them would make any sense. Like I, I wouldn't know what conclusions to draw from this, but it would be so catastrophically bad that people would draw conclusions one way or another. And I'm not just talking about like fans. Um, so this is real. This is era defining week coming up for the books. Like simple as that. We can all talk about oh, it's just you know if Giannis was there. Well, he hasn't been there so far, and you're staring down a first round exit. So that's pretty scary. Can I let? Let's take the temperature of the room here and tell me how damn bad was I that I was thinking about this during this game. When I was looking at some of the struggles, Chris struggling to control his handle, Drew not having a whole lot of success, I was like, maybe you should give him Goran Dragic some minutes. No! Oh, no! Oh, this team needs, no! This team needs a creator. Adam! <laughs> Did you see what Kyle Lowry is doing out there? I was like... Oh. Good God, this guy is still here to annoy me. Oh no. Bucks I hate that I'm thinking court. about it now. Oh. The Bucks built a new court just to end their season on. 
That court looks bad too. Yeah, let's not get me started. I don't want to judge a a court. No, no, there there were real there were real shots put out of it today, Jordan, and uh, the one cream baseline and not the other. It's, you know, it doesn't look better. It doesn't look better. What, 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 like, you just have the solid like green. What, what like just have the, the original court like the green the massive green deer head is perfect. With the dark, with and, the forest green outer, it's just perfect. And Milwaukee, the full length of the baselines, I think, is a pretty good thing to do, and a strange one to walk back and make smaller. I've seen this; it's been a trend in like other courts. I, I I'm blanking on which one it I'm thinking of right now, where it's like, oh, it's like, is it Minnesota or something? Someone the Nets do this too, from when they had the really cool Brooklyn. I don't think it's as large now as it was when they had the kind of the subway themed mm. baselines. I'm I'm looking at the odds here. The books are still very much odds on okay. favorites to win this and, series. And again, they they sh- they should like again. Mm, I don't know if they should, but they are. They should. Okay, well, this this feeds into my question. Do you think the Bucks are going to win this series? Everything about how I felt going into the series has gone terribly wrong. Um. So I I don't know I really don't know it, it the only answer the damn the only thing is well I I'm about to if Giannis plays at all the in whatever the series is they can win it but if he's if he's lost I don't think they have I think this is a good team in spite of Giannis not being there I just think that if the Heat keep playing the way they are they're not going to win the series. So you didn't answer the question. Do you think I yes did. or no? I just did. Yes or no? What? Binary yes or no. Do you think the Bucks win this series? I don't. I um If there's Giannis, yes. No, so you've got to you've got to make a call. Is there Giannis? This is you've got to predict. You may, I don't know. I'm no Suki Hobson. I'm no. But Troy you've got to make it yes or no. Make, so you've yes got to go no. Do the Bucks I'm telling win the series? Do you think yeah. they will play Giannis? I thought they were going to play him in game two, and he hasn't So in game yet. four, do you think that Giannis Antetokounmpo will be suiting up for the Milwaukee Bucks? I, I think what we're going to see is he's going to go to his hotel Starbucks. He's going to have a nice meal. He's going to have a nice uh, cafe mocha. And we're going to see how that old back is, you know? A back? A bruised back versus a bruised glute. It's not Giannis goes to his hotel and gets a cafe mocha. It's yes or no. When someone asks me a yes or no question, I always go, maybe. Do I do I answer? Yes. <laughs> no. Oh, was it, so are you saying no? No, I was saying no to oh, okay, no okay. odds, yes. I would not be putting money on it. I think I think they win the series, but I would not. We've gone beyond the point where I'd be picking it with any real confidence. Yeah, I, I do. I do this. think I will say what Jordan wouldn't say, which is I do think Giannis plays in Game Four. If Giannis doesn't play in Game Four, I don't know. A lot well, of people and Giannis in particular is going to have to live with a wasted season. I mean, this is the thing too. It's like. This is as prime as it gets, and we're getting to, like, we know what age Brooke is, and we look at the year he's had, and where Chris and Drew are at, and even Giannis. Giannis is not young anymore. He's got lots of career left, but 
These are his prime athletic years. Good season, team set up to do well, and if it's just they lose game four, have you just wasted the entire season? Like, so I, I think Giannis plays, and with that, I think the Bucks win. But it's probably going seven. And with that, anything can happen. And you've they've just officially reached a point anyway, where it's you've taken away any element of security here. So from now on, the books could play very well, play games that we're pretty happy with across the board. And they could lose a couple of close ones. And that's it. Season's if, over. If you lose, yeah, if you lose two, we're at a point. You lose two games, you're going home. Like it's it's done. Like your your run is over. And again, I think I, I think I'm in agreement with Adam here, where I I do think the Bucks win this series, and I do think Giannis plays, but I'm not entirely confident in that. Like I've I've lost I've lost confidence in it, like any sort of confidence that I had after two games, even like going in, like even after two games where it's tied one one, I still had I had an aura of confidence. For that sure, confidence, that confidence is gone. I, I, it's, it's, it's completely gone because one, I thought Giannis was going to play in this game, and he didn't. And uh, I even thought he was going to play in game two, and he didn't. And again, like I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, Giannis needs to play. Like obviously, like this is going to be a decision between with him, the organization, the the training staff. We don't know the full extent of the injury. We haven't gotten updates. Like we, I'm not going to sit here and like judge anyone personally for whatever comes of Game Four's decision. But the result will be the result, like you mentioned, Adam. Like if Giannis doesn't play, your season's essentially over. Like you, you're. It, it, it doesn't have to be. Like we've talked about, there's a lot of things they can do to f- try and fix this. They can try and mitigate these issues. They can win without They can Giannis. win without him. Yeah, yeah they can sure. win without Giannis. But they could also go out and have this exact performance exactly. again. And the, the <laughs> chance of it increase. One one thing I thought about when the news came out he wouldn't be playing. I don't know if anyone has any thoughts on this or if they had kind of similar ideas pop into their head at the time. I wonder after how well they played in game two, did they feel like they had the luxury of, you know what, we can win this without him. We'll sit him out, give him another few days, and we'll be set up to one way or another. You know, what's the worst could happen? We could lose, which I do think even like if you ask any of us before the game, I think there's something very different about losing game three in the abstract, in a hypothetical, and then actually having lost game three and all of a sudden everything is like coming flooding towards you and you're like oh okay this is this is a bad situation now but that that was my thought when i saw it i was like i wonder did game two factor into the discussions that were had between Giannis, the coaching staff medical staff just the general decision making process of you know what let's give it another few days which you know could be just the right thing for his health so not the wrong decision anyway but we know that is not always necessary how things operate at this time of the season I, I do a lot of pain yeah. management going around. A lot of pain management, whether it's Giannis or me <laughs> or you or Numak um, always Numak, the Milverine, Elsa Cop, uh, David Gruber, um, Gucci Mane. Is he a Bucks fan? I believe he is. Yeah. Shout out my boy Gucci. 
I wrong. Go on, go whatever you have. I think it's I, I that that thought did pop. I think I tweeted this. Like that popped into my head. Like I think the Bucks were confident, like beaming after game two. Like, hey, game one was an anomaly. Game two was showing who we really can be without Giannis, and that there's confidence. Hey, yeah, we can definitely beat this team without Giannis. And um, if we if we win game three, uh, we're right. We're taking the series lead. We have home court back, and then we give Giannis another extra game of rest, but to, to potentially come back and close out this series and maybe five that's gone but again like if the bucks win game four they've taken home court back in this series <laughs> like i feel like uh this it's it's like this has been a very doom and gloom podcast <laughs> hard it, to be any other way it, it, yes for sure but i think uh i think we should try to get at least some confidence in here uh like adam and you and i we we still think the bucks win this series and who knows what jordan thinks i don't think jordan knows what jordan thinks uh but it's <laughs> that is a man who was going through it <laughs> uh but like they're, they're like this series is not out of reach at all it is two to one it we're three games in it is two to one the bucks are down one game they can still I, absolutely win this series. They can still you win. Got, this you've got to win game four, Ron. You I, game I, four is a must win game. Just like game two was a must win game because you cannot lose both games at home. Game four is an absolute must win game. You cannot go down two games. You have to regain home court advantage. And otherwise you're just backing yourself against the wall. Otherwise you have to win three in a row. That's that's reality. You have to win three in a row. Because you'll be down 3-1 in the first round to the Miami Heat. And that's just, I don't want to think about that because it makes me sad. And this is the worst spot they have been in since Brooklyn. Heat in the bubble. No, Heat in the bubble. I think I think it, down 2-0 to Brooklyn was... You're in the second round against the Brooklyn Nets. That's true, honestly. Yeah. That, is, that is not this. This is the worst spot they've been in since the Heat in the bubble. They did not react positively that time. So... You know, yeah, they had their revenge over the Heat once, but I think this would be a this would be an even sweeter one, maybe from avenging some of those demons. Can you uh, imagine if they if they do win this series and then they get like the Knicks or the Cavs? Like, I think that's an infinitely better matchup for the Bucks. Either of those teams, I I I honestly I just don't know. Let's just win this series. And I am I I have looked ahead so many fucking times because I thought, hey, the Bucks are a one seed. This is gonna be a great playoffs. Let's look ahead. Let's think of I mean we did a mailbag uh pod a couple weeks ago. We're thinking about the Celtics. We're thinking about oh, who do the Bucks play after they play the Heat? One game at a time. One game at a time. That is my a phrase for the for the rest of you gotta get better life. every day. Better every day. Keep chopping wood, carrying water. Thank you, Marcus Johnson. Um hey, this yeah, going no. longer makes means more Marcus. Does. I also I don't want to hear Marcus is going through it on the broadcast. Uh and I don't want to hear him <laughs> go through that again. Uh because yeah, that was yeah, it's not good. This is not great. It's not a great feeling. You, you guys want to know some silver linings, though? Yes. I guess so. Uh, the, the, the Grizzlies are currently down 16 to the Lakers, so this won't be the biggest story. I. It's a terrible uh, silver lining. 
We got any more? You you said plural. Okay. uh, Like we talked about, Grayson Allen played an exceptional game of basketball. He did. He was very good. Like he he was finding open spots. He was hitting his threes. He was making good passes. Like I honestly would like to see him. Like we've talked about ball handling and like guys having loosey goosey handles. Maybe maybe put the ball in Grayson's hands. Like he's he's worked at it all season about like him getting better at drives. Like it was a struggle to start the season. Ty and I have to deep, like gone into this at length, but just just the way that Grayson has improved in his decision making, like heading to the rim, and again he's. He's been a little. He's he's gotten into the lane a few times in the series, and is uh he hasn't like tried to finish. He's like tried to pass out of it a lot, and he's been making the passes that he needs to. But I'd like to see a more aggressive version of Grayson Allen because he's honestly been pretty good in this series, and like considering his last the last time we saw him in the playoffs, it's just it's been a massive improvement. Yeah, well, I mean, my instruction for him and Pat would be to attack, but I think to enable them to do that. I think it comes back to something like, for example, giving Joe Ingles more of the ball so that they're getting passes are coming to those guys with more time and space where that could be that they're going to take advantage of that and shoot an open tree. Great. We'd be happy to see that with either of those guys. But it also could be that they're going to take the onrushing defender off the dribble and they're going to go straight to the to the rim. And I mean, something else we didn't mention here, Bucks didn't get to the free throw line at all. And then you have... Drew and Chris missing free throws, not massive amounts, but honestly, in a game like this, every single point could have helped the Bucks to have a chance to turn the tide. Um, so yeah, just anyone who can get driving towards the basket would be welcome. But I don't know if I want to see Grayson with the ball in his hands outside of that. I might leave that one to you, Ron. Yeah, sorry. I'm just re- we, again. This is uh, going back to my other silver lining. This is not going to be the biggest story at all. Dylan Brooks just punched LeBron in the the nether regions. Uh, oh. So again, more silver linings. Still, still don't care. But that sounds interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan oh. and I just care about the Bucks. Let's. We just care about. Hey, the listen. Bucks. I I like whenever the Bucks lose, I have to like avoid the internet for a couple days. <laughs> like I, I I'd like to be able to, like browse the web in peace so like this is this is this is what i think of again i mentioned this up top this is therapy uh for me so i'm just i'm i'm going i'm i'm going through the jordan Tresky direction just a little delayed but i'm going through it yeah i hope i hope it was therapeutic for listeners too if they can if they can muster up the oh, courage to listen to talk about this game ron I think you want to watch the rest of Grizzlies like no, so take us take us home here take us I home. mean do it okay like again let's let's mention some positives Jordan give me something positive that you're looking for in game 4 <laughs> I don't think he's the uh, man you want to ask for positives yeah, right I'm, now. I I want to help Jordan out too Jordan we are not ending this until you tell me something positive oh going into God. game 4 Um I want to see Giannis play that is my <laughs> I think he's good. going to play Sure, I thought he was going to play the last two games. He hasn't. I'm going to say, I'm going to email uh, someone within the Bucks organization that I want to see Giannis Antetokounmpo play Game Four, and your season depends on it. We'll see if they answer me. Who are you going to email? <laughs> I don't know. Probably won't email. It's just a joke. <laughs> okay, so you didn't you didn't actually tell me something positive. He did. I he wants see to Giannis see Giannis. Play. That would be positive. Okay. Okay. Fine. Fine. I'll give you that one, Adam. What nope. do you? What's What's a positive thing you're looking for? 
Uh, it would be positive if they won, Rohan. That's... I Honestly, I don't have a whole lot else. This is really bad. Like, I, I appreciate what you're trying to do here, but... I Yeah, I just... This is bad. This is, like, catastrophically bad. So, it all gets fixed very quickly. You come out, you win game four, and you know what? You could go on and win in six then. You know, just like all all the people want for their marketing purposes. Um, but if you don't do that, I like I think it's done. I really, it's not impossible, but we know how that works. The numbers already are not in the book's favor. Um, Laurie Nichol, the Journal Sentinel, had the exact number, which I'll find now. Um. It's it's not good. Teams that win game three of a 1-1 best of seven series go on to win the series 73.3% of the time. That's 162 and 59 since 1984. Well, I, I, will, so, say, I will say on that stat, I, I heard a great conversation about uh, uh, that the Kirk Goldsberry and Zach Lowe were having about this, where that they they just threw out that stat because it's like, yeah, any any team that wins a game where you just need to win four just exponentially increases your chances of winning a series. Like it's it's kind of like as someone who works a lot with statistics, it's kind of like a not the best statistic. That's actually the number. That's seventy three point whatever it is. That's actually the percentage that the Heat are going to shoot from three in game four. So uh, I'm, I'm sorry to burst everyone's bubble, but that's what it's going to be. <laughs> I don't I don't think that number is completely empty. I get your point, Rohan, but I think there is an element there. Uh, again, I listen, I would love to just dismiss that out of hand. I admire your ability as, you know, someone who who looks on the sunnier side of things to be able to just be like, hey, you know, that's just a bad number. Let's just push that over there. Um, and you're not you're not wrong with some of the noise around it, but it's this is a bad spot to put it, yourself it, in. No, it, it, like, like to it, be clear, I will say it does mean something. It does mean yes. something, but like you said, it's very noisy. Like I, I wouldn't take that as as as, as gospel. Not to say that you are. I'm saying for for the general. No, I'm not. I'm just concerned. I'm, I'm concerned cons- too, Adam, I'm but I'm trying to be positive. No, I, I don't think we should do that. I think we should be concerned. Listen, at the end of the day, Rohan, we can't do, our positivity cannot do anything. The books need to show It can up, do like, something. It can make me feel win. better, Adam. Well, I think you're, you're doing all right. You're doing better than Jordan. <laughs> That's a low True. bar. True. It's like saying like I'm I'm drowning in ten uh ten feet of water, but hey, Jordan's drowning in sixteen feet of water. <laughs> Bring it Still drowning. Gump, gump, gump. <laughs> anyway, if I'm making drowning jokes, we should probably. <laughs> I tried to get you out of here a while ago, and you wanted. To I know, go back but I tried to make positives, and, like, and now I just feel worse. And now I read gonna... the room. I should have. It's that's <laughs> you're right. It's my bad. Um. Game four is going to be Monday at what time is it? I don't even know. Six thirty. Six thirty. Yeah, in Miami again. So we'll see if Giannis plays. We'll probably get a good indication of that on uh, Sunday tomorrow. We'll see what the initial injury report looks like. We'll have you all covered. Follow all of us on social. Uh, check out gspn.info for all links, all things GSPN. You can find the links to all of our podcasts. Uh, including this feed, the Eurostep winning six bucks feed. You can find Talk of the Tundra. You can find Cruising for a Bruising. You can find Make Time for This. 
You can find whatever you need. Substack uh, link, merch link, playback link, Discord entry link. Everything is at gspn.info. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening to this on your podcast platform of choice or watching this on YouTube. Leave a five-star rating on your podcast platform of choice. Pod random, and we'll talk to you next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.